Just a, a word before we start. Uh, Sean Clark, uh, when I first came out here from uh, uh, Alta Loma to pastor the church on the other side of the freeway, Sean was in the youth group, and um, I, I love hanging around that age group. I was very, very involved in scouts, and I just loved the, the energy in, in the kids. And Sean made a point to, to sit with me and introduce me to all the kids in the youth group, and he kind of was like my, my little mentor for a couple of Sundays when I was out there and, uh, before I'd started in the pulpit. He was a really, really good kid. He, was, he had a heart that was just, just, he was just kind. He was well beyond his, his 16 years at that age. But um, my heart's heavy for that family today. So let's pray for him, and then we'll start the service. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful to stand here today. Resurrection Sunday, Lord. We know that you are risen, and we are thankful for that, Lord. Lord, our, our hearts are heavy for the Clark family this morning, so may you just engulf them and cover them in your love, uh, especially this upcoming week with all the emotions and, the, and just the raw emotions that are going to be bubbling up. Lord, uh, to see the Father and his, his pillar of strength in reaching out to the person that, that hit his son, uh, to say there was no animosity, Lord, just th- that grace can be magnified in our community and our world, Lord, that we'd be in a much better place. So be with them this week. Lord, be with us this morning as we look at your word and give us all ears to hear what is in this text today, Lord. We love you and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen. We're going to look at John 20 today, but um, I want to read something from 1 Corinthians. Paul, and he's writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, Now, he says, I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, in which you now stand, by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the word which I preached to you. Unless you believe in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to Scripture. Three things happened there. Christ died for a purpose for our sins according to Scripture. It was no mistake. It was no accident. It was no error. It wasn't Christ losing control. It was predetermined from eternity past that Christ was to march to the cross. Paul stands on that and he says, I deliver to you as first importance that I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to scripture and that he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to me more than 500 brethren at a time, most whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and to all the apostles And to last of all, one untimely born, he appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles, and not fit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's us. By the grace of God, we are what we are. Not on our own merits, not because of what we've done, not because of what we can do. Because he went to the grave. He went to the cross, he went into the tomb, and he came out. We can stand boldly on that. That is our claim, that Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his body on the cross for us. And on Resurrection Sunday, the whole world is focused on this now. Even non-believers, they have to to look at the calendar and say, I'm an atheist, but I'm counting my clock and my calendar because of his death, burial, resurrection. 
It's A.D. It's because Christ loved us. The Father loves us so much that He sent His Son, His only, one and only begotten Son for us. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, she came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away our Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciples went forth and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together and the other disciple ran faster than Peter and came to the tomb first and stooping, he looked in and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered into the tomb and saw the linen wrappings lying there and the face cloth, which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had come first, had come to the tomb, he also entered and he saw and he believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary, she was standing outside the tomb weeping. So as, to, as she wept, she stooped. And she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels sitting white in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, and she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father, but I go to my, to my brethren and say to them, I ascended to my father and your father and my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he said these things to her. That's the picture on that third day. This is Christ coming out of them. He's been in there Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, she came early to the tomb. I, I try to picture this. All the disciples, all the men that followed Jesus, abandoned him at the cross except for John. And who comes to the tomb first on Sunday morning? Mary, a woman. And I was talking to Jan about this. As I was going through this, let me read these to you first. The women... Christianity gets a, a bum rap sometimes because we're, uh, we have this tendency to sound like we're anti-woman. Only men should be pastors. You know, only men should stand up in the pulpit preaching. Women have to go to a second tier. They're not really, really good Christians. They're just women. That's what the, that's what the, other, the outside folks say. Jesus Christ loved women. 
from four different passages of Scripture, there was, these are the women that came to the tomb. Mary, Matthew 28.1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came and looked at the grave. Mark 16.1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices to the tomb. Luke 24.10. Now, there were Mary, jo- Joanna, the other Mary, mother James, and also other women. There was no mention of men. No mention that men came to see their Savior. No, no mention that they came to, to tend to Jesus' body. It was the women. And, and I'm planning my preaching schedule for the, the next few months. And as many of you know, I like to start in front of a book and just run right through it. But I also like in the summer going through the Psalms. And I'm going to do that again this summer. Um, I'm preaching this week. Martin's in next week. And then I'm in one more week. And then I think we'll start the Psalms. No. 19th? You're on the 19th. So anyway, I'm going to do a couple of things. But one of the things I want to do is I want to bring a message or two about the women in Scripture. The, in Acts, how the, how the early church started. Women. They were, it, it was just, it's really exciting. So if, if you're at all interested in that, dial in. And we'll talk about the next couple of weeks. Then we're going to go into the summer in the Psalms. But anyway, on the first day of the week, it was Mary Magdalene. She came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw how the stone had already moved away from the tomb. That word saw there is she took a quick glance and she noticed. She's running to the tomb. It's dark in the morning. She looks up and she sees the stone's moved. Uh-oh. A little problem. So then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. I don't know that I would go on Sunday morning down to a tomb when it's still dark and look in. You know, I just wouldn't, I don't know that I'd do that. But Mary, in her devotion and her love to her Lord, didn't let that frighten her. She was the first one there, and she looks in, and she sees the stone is rolled. So she better do something about that. They've stolen the body. That's, that was their thing. They didn't expect the resurrection. They didn't expect, even though Christ had told them numerous times, they didn't expect this. It's funny, you know who did? The enemies of Christ remembered it. The enemies of Christ, they went to Pilate and said, let us have the body and then put a guard on the tomb so nobody can steal them. Because if they steal the body, the, the first deception is going to be worse than the second deception. The first one is he claimed to be God. The second deception is they stole the body and they're going to claim he was risen. So she runs back. To Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. It's really neat in this text that John doesn't refer to himself as John. He, I often wonder, why didn't he just call himself John? You know, the, the, the disciple of Jesus loved. And I think it's his humility. He didn't want any attention to him at all. And you could read that and say, well, he was very vain, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved. That wasn't it at all. I think this is a picture of his humility. Doesn't even want his name referenced. So he ran back, they get Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord. They've snatched him. They've stolen him. What do we do? And we don't know where they've laid him. So her thought here is he's still dead. They didn't expect the resurrection. They're thinking the body's in the tomb. I've come back with the spices. I'm going to tend to his body. It's after Passover. I don't know where they've laid him. No picture of... And and the reason this is important is because we get over to uh, verse 8 and you see the light come on in John. 
So Peter and the other disciple, they went forth and they were going to the tomb. And the two were running together. The other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and he came to the tomb first. There is the picture of of Peter and John getting this news and they are on a dead sprint back to the tomb. What are we going to do? And I can just picture Peter, you know, Peter just, he'll chop somebody's ear off. He's going to find this body. He's going to take care of business. Even he didn't look for the resurrection. He went back running at a dead sprint with John so that they could secure Jesus and tend to his body. And these guys walked with Jesus for three years and didn't see it, even though Jesus told them numerous times. So the dead sprint, stride for stride, running back to the tomb. And the two were running together, and the other disciple ran faster than Peter. So John, at this time, was probably younger than Peter. He was like, I was talking about Sean, full of energy, running dead sprint. He passes him up, and he comes to the tomb first, and stooping and looking in, he saw. Saw comes up four or five times here. This saw was again, just a general glance. He stooped down, he's looking in the tomb, and he saw, just a passing casual glance, that the linen wrappings were lying there. But he didn't go in. And the tomb, uh, just so you have a picture of it, it was at the side of a hill, and it was kind of chiseled out. Um, It wasn't like what we have, you know, when you go to Forest Lawn, it was chiseled out, and there was a big rock or stone in front of it, rolled back and forth. So anyway, that's back, and he stoops down, And he looks in, he saw just a casual glance, the linen wrappings were lying there. If someone had come in and stolen the body, there's two things would have happened. One, they would have ripped off the wrappings. And two, they wouldn't have touched the wrappings. They would have taken everything. But they're saying here is the wrappings were still there. Not the shroud of Turin, by the way. The wrappings. Back up in 1938, after these things, Joseph of Marathia being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus and, and he was granted permission. So he, he came and he took it, the body away. Nicodemus, who was fir- first come to him at night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloe, about 100 pounds weight. There's 100 pounds of spices that go on these wrappings. And they are sh- the, the, what you would think, uh, long linen cloths soaked and these things. And they wrapped him around each part of his body. Like, like a mummy. Not a shroud. Now there's some that distract. And there's some that, that worship a shroud. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a nice thing to chat about. But it was wrappings. And it's important. Because they were just lying there undisturbed. No body. No disturbed wrappings. Jesus Christ came out of those wrappings. Just like we'll see over in the end of John 20 where he walks through the door. He's in, in a, a, a spiritual state at this point. And he has risen up out of the wrappings and they're just there. So he stooped down, he looked and he saw this. But he didn't go in. So Simon, Simon Peter also came, finally catches up to John. He came following him and he entered the tomb. There's old Peter. He runs at a dead sprint. He gets to the tomb. He doesn't think twice about it. He jumps in. And he saw the linen wrappings. A different word. One of the neat things about the original language is 
paints colorful pictures of words. We get the word saw four different times, three different usages in the English language, and it's saw, saw, saw. I, I don't like using the original language as much because I don't want you to lose faith that your English translation is somehow not a good translation. It's just if they were to expand these words to the depth of what they meant in the original, our Bible would be six times thicker. But this saw that, that, that Simon Peter, when he jumped in, he saw the linear round. This is an intense gaze. He studied this to see what was going on. He didn't just give it a casual glance. He looked in, he gazed upon it, he, he was struck by this, that the linens are just lying there. He studied this. And we get it in, in print. That the wrappings, it's so important. It, the body was not stolen. It wasn't unwrapped and taken away. Jesus Christ came out of these wrappings. Why is that important? He is risen. He is not dead. He is not in the tomb. He's not in the grave. He has risen. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father with intercession for you and me. He's not a dead Savior. He's not a God of many gods. He is Jesus Christ, the King. Up from the grave, He arose. You know, when I was reading this last night, I was, the, the song Blessed Assurance came to me. If I could sing, I'd sing it for you. But I just, I, I love that song. You know, you sing that in bluegrass, and I, I just, I'll cry all the way home. But Blessed Assurance. We have that blessed assurance that Jesus Christ came up out of that tomb. We have that blessed assurance that He went to the cross for us. We have that blessed assurance that He is in heaven awaiting us. But on the other side of that same coin, those that don't have the faith in Christ, that don't rest their eternal security on Him, those that think they have another way, you are going to meet that risen Savior someday. And you will have blessed assurance that you will not be in His presence forever. You will have that blessed assurance that you will be banned and sent to hell. And there's no pretty way to put it. There's no pastoral way that I can put a picture on and say, yeah, you know, you should believe. And if you don't, you, you know, you better search the scriptures. I have to stand boldly and say on this Resurrection Sunday, Jesus Christ has arisen for a purpose for us. If you're outside the scope of Jesus Christ, you have an eternal destiny. And I can't sugarcoat it. And I can't say, you know, we have first-time visitors. I better tone it down. Better not yell so loud. Better not talk about hell. This is the day to do it. This is the day. Today is the day of your salvation. Rest your hat on Jesus Christ. Rest your eternal destiny on Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There's so many things that can distract us. There's so many things that distract me. You know, I talked about it last week or the week before. You know, I, I want to have a nice savings account when I retire. But that can't be my God. You know, I want to have a nice car that runs when I retire. That can't be my God. I want Joe's motorcycle. That can't, that can't be my God. Jesus Christ is my God. My eternal destiny is on His back. The bloodied back that was torn and laid bare on the cross. That's where my security rests. And when I fall, and when I falter, and when I trip up, and when I mess up, I'm still His. You know? this Sunday, I've, I've talked to so many people about Easter. Don't clean it up and come. Don't clean it up and go to church on Easter. Go to church as ratty as you want to be on Easter. 
Let this be your day to launch. He'll clean you up. But so many of us think we have to be perfect. And let me be the very first to tell you, I'm not. I'm saved. But I'm not perfect. So anyway, Peter, he, he stoops down, he goes right in there, and he sees with this intense gaze that the wrappings are lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. I'll tell you, I study on this all week, and I don't know why that is. It's kind of a crazy thing for a pastor to stand up in the pulpit and say, I'm preaching a message, and I don't understand this. There's so many different speculations about what this could have been. But one thing that I think it points out surely is it was not grave robbers that tore it off and ran the body in a hurry. This was like Jesus came up out of these linen wrappings, took that face cloth and said, I'm just going to lay it right here. Nice and neat and tidy and orderly. So I can proclaim that there was no grave robbers. And you know what also? The disciples, there's talk about the disciples taking the body. That's not the case at all. Why? There was no disciples around. It was John and the women. All the disciples split. They were afraid of their own lives. They figured their leader's gone. Rome is after us. Let's get out of Dodge. They didn't have time or the inclination to go back. It wasn't until after the resurrection that they, they spent the next 60 years. all Well, 11 of the 12 were martyred. They went from scared frightened men to pillars of the faith that were all martyred. And I was reading about, it was some pretty vile stuff that happened to these guys. They, you know, there was beheadings, there was impalement, there was uh, thrown off the top of the temple, there were stoning and beatings and clubbings. And they didn't back off their faith. These went from men that didn't know about the resurrection, that were scared to death to say for the next 60 years, I am his and he is mine and I'm standing on this rock of Jesus Christ. The enemies didn't have the body and the disciples didn't have the means for getting the body. And that face cloth was just laid there as a picture, I think, of the peaceful way that Christ came out of that tomb. And this is, this is the fourth usage of the word saw with the third meaning of the word saw. So the other disciple, verse 8, who had first come to the tomb, John. First time he went to the tomb, he stooped, he looked, glance. John, I'll just change it. So John, who had first come to the tomb, then he also entered. He saw Peter go in. Peter saw with an intense gaze. John says, I'm going in. And John goes into the tomb and he saw. This word for saw is he had a spiritual enlightenment. His heart was open. His mind was open. His spirit was open from God the Father. That's why they use the word saw here instead of six or eight different words for it. John, at this moment, he saw with his spiritual eyes open, his heart open, the spirit it infused him. And what happened? He believed. This isn't a salvation event. He didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ at this point. That happened in the journey over the last three years. This is, he believed in what had happened. He believed that Jesus Christ went into the tomb. He believed that Jesus Christ came out of the tomb. He believed that Jesus has ascended to the Father. He believed. We have to do the same thing. We have to have our spiritual eyes opened. 
We have to look in, peer, have a spiritual awakening and see that Jesus Christ is who He is. And some of us, I have to do it every day. I'm not saved every day. I'm saved once and forever. But I have these moments when I things click. And I look again and I believe. I'm built up in the faith. I'm raised up in the faith. I've, I've got concrete under me. Not because of me. Because He is risen. He has ascended. And I rest my soul on that. I saw... I had an awakening. And you, many of you know that journey. May 28, 1965, when it started. Seven years old. That's when I saw and I believed. And then I didn't come to faith then. You know, I had things to work out. I was a gnarly little seven-year-old. <laughs> and then I get to high school. And then again, I saw. I looked upon it. I had a spiritual awakening I saw with spiritual eyes through the youth group at Grace Baptist Church in Glendora when I was trying to get her to go out with me. Way back in the 72 or 3 or somewhere back there. And I saw again. And I came to faith in Jesus Christ back then. My spiritual eyes were opened. So the point to that is if you saw, if, you take, if you've taken a, one of the other two meanings... And you have seen Christ, and you have seen His glory. You took a casual glance. I I want you to be happy you took a casual glance. But let's get you to the point where you saw with spiritual eyes, and you believed. What a better day than Easter Sunday. To have your eyes opened, and gaze upon the cross, and the glory of Jesus Christ. Have that spiritual awakening. Have that moment when the Spirit draws you. Let today be your day. So just as he he saw and he believed, for as yet, they didn't understand the Scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. They've been told numerous times, tear down this temple in three days, I'll build it up again. And they just didn't see it. So what happened in verse 10? The disciples went away again to their homes. John and Peter, after going through this little narrative, peeking in tombs, having a spiritual awakening, seeing the, the linen there, and the scripture says they just went away again to their homes. The backstory. What were they talking about? What were they saying? Is they, they sprinted to the tomb and now they're walking back home. Can you hear the conversation? Can you believe what we just saw? Where is he? But Mary, she was standing outside the tomb. She did not leave her post. Mary. The disciples walked back to their homes. But Mary, standing outside the tomb, standing guard, standing at her post, she was weeping. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in the tomb. She saw these two disciples go through this. And she she says, it's my turn. I need to look. I need to stoop and look in the tomb. And she saw the same thing. And she saw two angels 
The guys didn't see the two angels. The guys didn't see this. They saw the linen. Mary of Magdala saw this. She saw two angels in white, one sitting at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus was. There's two angels in there. What a picture that must have been for her. And I, I think, I may be reading something into it, but this might be just a way to validate her devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples, they came away, they saw, they, they, they were enlightened and opened. But Mary got to dialogue with two angels. No fear of going in a tomb. No fear of talking to two angels in a tomb. Can you imagine that? So there's these two angels sitting, one at either end, where the body of Jesus had been laying. And they said to her, Woman, and this, this, you know, in English, again, this sounds like a derogatory. Woman, what are you doing? You know, it's not that at all. This is a, a gracious greeting. Woman, why are you weeping? What? And I'm thinking, angels, are you crazy? What do you mean? Why am I weeping? My Lord is gone. They've stolen the body. I don't know where they've laid him. She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, that they, again, as the enemies of Christ, have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. I don't know where they've taken that body. I'm brokenhearted. My, my Lord and my God and my Savior, they've taken him away. And I just want to prepare his body. No thought of the resurrection. And when she said this, she turned around and she saw, intently gazed. She saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. That's interesting, huh? There's her Lord. There's her Savior. Calls her by name. She turns and gazes at him. And she doesn't recognize him. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, she's in, you know, some people think she's in such a tizzy, such a, a, a state of mourning. She couldn't see through her tears to see it was Christ. And that wasn't the case at all. Jesus didn't reveal himself to her at that moment. So she says to him, Sir, if you, the gardener, have carried him away, just tell me where you've laid him and I'll go get him. I just need his body back to prepare him. And Jesus said to her, Mary... And that's the moment that he opened her eyes to him. And she saw it was him. Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni. She recognized the risen Christ. She was at the cross. She saw the blood pouring from his body. She saw the wounds on his body. She saw the, the mess that he was. The nails on his feet and his hand. The crown of thorns. She saw that. And now she sees him. What, what, would have, what would my heart have been if I was in this? I would have exploded with joy. I would have been, Rabbi, it's you, but you were dead. What's going on here? And Jesus said to her, and this sounds abrupt too, but it's not. Stop clinging to me. Can you picture Mary Magdalene clinging on to Jesus? Holding on to his physical raised body. 
what joy must have been in her heart. What joy that he's not really dead. What is she thinking? Maybe he did not die on the cross. Maybe he, he passed out. Maybe he didn't really... What, I don't know what's going on in her head. But she sees her Christ and she's clinging to him. And he says, don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go. This is your task, Mary. This is your task, church. Insert your name here. For I have not yet ascended to my father, but you go to my brethren and say to them, I have ascended to my father. We need to do the same thing that Mary was told. He has ascended to his father. He is no longer in the tomb. He is no longer dead. I have not ascended to my father. And your father, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, Christ's father is your father. You are adopted into his family. He's my God. And he's your God. We are part of God's family. Isn't that, that is powerful. You know, we're not fumbling around this world with no father. We have a father in heaven. That loves us. Look what he has done for us. Look at. He sent his son for us. I'm going to my father. And your father. I'm going to my God. And your God. And then Mary Magdalene. She came. Announcing to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. And that he has said these things to her. You have to have the same saw as John had. You have to open your eyes to Christ. And if you're here today and you have not seen that saw, if you have not had that event where you open your eyes to Jesus Christ, you've you've glanced at him, you've seen him on TV channels, you've read about him in the Bible, you, you heard about him in Sunday school, you know who he is, but you haven't seen him. Today is the day you need to see him. Sean, at 19 years old, he probably thought he had another 60 years, 70 years to go. He didn't. He was called home to be with the Lord at 19 years old. I'm 57. I'm a lot closer to being called home than 19. And some of you are a couple years older than me. Don't wait until it's too late. Don't wait and think, I've got one more day. I'm only 67. I'm only 77. I got another good run in me. Sean thought the same thing. Praise be to God that he knew Christ. And praise be to God that he's now spending his first Easter in heaven. It's going to happen to us too. I beg of you. Consider Christ. See him for who he is. And if you need to talk to somebody about it, Talk to me. Talk to Martin. Call me. Text me. Facebook me. Something. I would love to engage with you. If you have doubts, that's okay. We can talk about those doubts. We can wrestle with those things. But don't go it alone. Don't think you've got it in a bag and you got it all figured out. You need to be like John and see the risen Christ. Make this the day of your salvation. Let's pray.
Father, we're so grateful for so many things. But most of all, Lord, for this resurrection. That we all have eyes to see who you are. And Father, some of our eyes are cloudy. From painful events in life, from disappointments in life, that lens gets clouded up. Father, I ask you to please tear away that dim and dingy covering over our eyes so that we can, as John did, gaze upon you. Draw us closer, Father. Draw us in. And Lord, as we close today, again, be around the Clark family, Lord, and give them strength to get through today. We love you, Lord, and it's in your precious name I pray. Amen.